Welcome back to the Hoopsville, everybody. As we continue on the uh, ninth annual marathon show from the WBCA NABC studios, thanks to our partners at d3hoops.com. Also, thanks to our partners at Huddle Blue Frame Technology for their support. This is a fundraising show as well. We have made it a fundraising show most of our years. Last year <clears throat> was the one exception to that, and we regretted it later because many of you asked about it. So here's the deal, in case anybody was listening, even on the podcast, on the show link, we have a Venmo info. I do need to turn it into a link, but there is Venmo information as to where you can just straight send us uh, money to my personal account. Uh, there is also the Give Butter fundraising campaign, which I actually forgot to call up here. Uh, we'll get that up and running here in a moment. It's actually an old campaign that we had around the time of uh, COVID that we forgot about, but it's still been there. So we reactivated it, kind of re-jazzed it up and got it up and running. So it's rolling for uh, us as well. And you're able to um, donate that way. There's also the um, shop. Our, 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 t-shirt, our shirt merchandise shop is open. Um, you can go, we've provided a link on Facebook or on Twitter. We've provided a link on the show page. Um, that is, uh, hoopsville.itemorder.com. We have a lot of the shirts that we had last year, but we've also added a new one school, uh, name, whichever name you want to say supports Hoopsville. So you can buy a shirt that says that there's some customization. There's also the special anniversary 20th edition Hoopsville shirt right there you can get it in multiple colors orange is certainly pretty popular um but you get the logo with the 20th season uh on it as well that's that's been a pretty big deal and we now have a long sleeve shirt as well that's up there uh it's got multiple options again you can just get the logo you can say you know something supports hoops so um i support d3 sports not sure we kept getting trying to get that changed to d3 hoops but it doesn't matter it's still pretty good so um jump on that um those that store will be open until the 17th, like midnight on the 17th or something, I believe, uh, is when that will close down. Uh, then they will ship out the orders, so they'll take two to three weeks. So you should be able to get them maybe for the NCAA tournament, but at least before the NCAA tournament. Uh, and proceeds from that benefit the show as well. So I want to thank our partners, George, there for helping us do that. Really appreciate uh, his efforts, um, to say the least, and look forward to seeing how many of you are interested in that. Uh, in the meantime, we mentioned the uh, fundraiser that is that is uh, a rolling, as it were. Um, appreciate anybody who is doing that, whether you're just straight donating to our Venmo account, which which some of you most certainly have. Uh, there's also other ways to do it. Hold on, I'm trying to call up. I apologize. I'm trying to call up the... Um, there's a way to view this campaign in a different manner, and I'm trying to find it for you. Uh, but we'll call that up a little later and show it off as well. Uh, great games will be taking place uh, tonight and in the next few days, so we'll keep an eye on all those throughout the um, the show as we get later into the programming. Obviously, Wednesday is usually our biggest uh, games night, and tonight there isn't a tough, but number one, St. Joseph's is up against Elms tonight in men's basketball. Number 24, Mary Harden Baylor is out at Sol Ross, who has officially announced they are moving to Division Two. Uh, that was announced a day or two ago, and I'll be honest, there was a quote in there that actually didn't, didn't really impress me. Uh, from their um, AD, let's see if I can go back and find my own tweets about it because uh, that's that's the starting point on this. Bear with me. I don't think I've got it called up uh, easily, so I'm going to have to find my, my own Twitter account um, to call up the quote because I thought the quote was a little bit disingenuous, to be honest with you, with Division Three. 
uh, in in what she was was saying. Um, I've got it here. Here we go. Uh, one of her quotes was, uh, "If we are admitted to Division Two, we can start making scholarship offers, and I can't think of a better investment in someone's education." We'll continue attracting more students who will be able to continue to participate in sports after high school. It makes us more competitive on the field, and we believe it will increase enrollment, augment retention efforts. All right, good luck with you. Um, I, I, I couldn't disagree more. I think academic aid is a heck of a way to uh, invest in someone's education. I don't think it has to be about athletic scholarships. That's why we support Division Three so so much. Um as I said on Twitter, I have trouble with the idea Division Three doesn't enhance the student-athlete experience. I also don't grasp why athletic scholarships are better investment in anyone's education, not when academic monies outnumber athletics 22-plus to 1. And scholarship monies aren't going to are going to be uh, – scholarship monies aren't going to be high numbers most likely. Let's be honest. Sol Ross is not going to be offering a ton of scholarship money. Uh, from everything I've heard, I, I think this is going to be the end of Sol Ross, unfortunately. That's where a lot of people fear. Um, and I think it's a – I understand it from a geographic standpoint. I don't understand it from a lot of other reasons. In the meantime, we're still waiting to hear if Utica and Nichols have made the decision or have officially announced that they have applied to Division Two. We have talked for almost a year now that Utica is making the move to Division Two. We're planning to apply – and we know Nichols, we corner our reporting, is going to make the same decision. By the way, for any of you at home wondering, when I am, uh, when I break news or report news or whatever the case may be, and I'm done reporting, and absolutely nobody calls me, contacts me in any capacity whatsoever to tell me I'm wrong, it's a pretty big sign. No one's contacted me in these cases to tell me I'm wrong. Um, Utica's plan is to move on to Division Two, so they can take the hockey program to Division One. Uh, that was even mentioned in the uh, ice hockey committee notes from a year and a half ago. Nichols is planning to do the same thing. They're both going to planning to join the Northeast Conf- Northeast Ten uh, in Division Two. Um, I listen. I don't get the decision to move to Division Two. I'm not against Division Two in any way, but the the financial ramifications of Division Two. I think in this day and age, it becomes so much more complicated. And I don't understand why Division Three schools want to spend more money to make that happen. And there's lots of reasons they say, well, they'll offset the money here, they'll offset the money there. It's just not the case, um, in my opinion. Um, and I think we're going to see more U Hartfords move on. As We'll talk to Polly Thomason later in the program. I think we're going to see more D- U, uh, D1s come down to Division Three. And by the way, we're waiting to see who's announced that they've applied to Division Three this year. We have not seen the latest list. I think we'll see it. I know the deadline, I believe, is passed, or it's right now. Um, we'll hear. If, we'll get that list soon and find out who the members are. Division Three limits itself to four institutions. Uh, University of Maine, Fort Kent, tried to apply to Division Three a couple of years ago and were denied because they were the fifth one to put their application in, and the previous four were accepted. Uh, so they were left uh, out in the cold. They have not applied since. I'm not sure if they will apply, to be honest with you. Uh, but there's just that footnote. Uh, and now, not for this cycle, but the next cycle moving forward, you must have a conference partner to join Division Three. Um, Bob Jones is about to wrap up its time transitioning to Division Three, and it still does not have a partner in terms of a conference. And there's others. And Bob Jones, from what I've been told by others who have been courted to try and be the conference home of Bob Jones, they have a lot of limitations that make conferences a little uneasy. And so 
that's one of Bob Jones's problems. And I think it's not a bad idea for Division Three, which may become more popular, to make sure that the St. Aquinas, Aquinas, is that the right one? Uh, mistakes don't happen again. And you could almost argue you Hartford was going to be similar to that. You'll remember uh, St. Ignatius, sorry, right? No, St. Ans- Anselm. It's another A. I got three of them in my head. St. Anselm. Uh, announced they were applying to, they're going to apply move to Division Two, and that they would be joining the new Mac. The problem was the new Mac had not approved that, and certainly didn't want that in a press release. It was later removed from the press release, and the plan later fell apart. Saint Anselm is still in Division Two as a result of it. There's that. Then there was U Hartford moving in. Didn't know where their home was going to land. They eventually landed in the Triple C, which makes sense. I thought maybe the LEC as a the non one non public school would make sense too, but what do I know? They certainly weren't going to join the new MAC, um, and they definitely weren't joining the NESCAC. But I, I think all of those, plus the Bob Jones and other schools, Bob Jones is not the only one, not really having a home is what drew Division Three to that decision. It was passed overwhelmingly. We'll talk a little bit about that later with Luis McCleary. And with that, we'll take another break. When we come back, we'll talk to Albertus Magnus Women's Basketball. Talk to them about the success they're having this season and what it all means to the Falcons and their fans, and for that matter, the institution. You listen to the Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. So much more ahead. are your teams, your players, your community of fans. This is where they play, where they practice, where you cheer at every meet, every event, every game. Your community is passionate, dedicated, supportive. You know the tension of a close game and the thrill of the win. So while you're cheering, keep an eye out for anything out of the ordinary. If you see something suspicious, say something to local authorities. It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment. The game-winning shot that gets you to the dance. A monster dunk or no-look pass. And cutting down the net. Sports lets us dream of our own success. And prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. 
It's on us, all of us, to stop sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you are enjoying the show. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. You can join us on Facebook and YouTube where we're simulcasting the show. There's a chat rooms on each of those, facebook.com slash Hoopsville and youtube.com slash D3Hoopsville. Uh, we're on Instagram as well, at D3Hoopsville, though admittedly that is a little harder to uh, manage uh, these days only because there's no link available and we, well, we only can do so much. But uh, you can certainly follow us there when we're able to tweet out there as well. You can email us too, hoopsville at d3sports.com. That's hoopsville at d3sports.com. Great conversation about the uh, women's basketball numbers and how they impact things in Division Three potentially, but also how they've been impacting things in general in high school. Um, and we'll continue that conversation. Appreciate Lindsay for coming on the show to talk about it. We'll keep the track of women's basketball, though, and we'll certainly talk about a team much like Carrollton and the others that we've had on the show today that have had breakout seasons. Albertus Magnus, one loss on the year, not too shabby, as they say, as they um, nearly picked up a second one, though, due to a triple overtime bonkers of a basketball game just the other night against St. Joseph's UConn, of course, home of the number one ranked men's basketball team, but the women tried to knock off Albertus Magnus and hand him their second loss of the season and first in conference play. We gave uh, J.R. Fredette the the time to recover from said game. Now he joins us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline to discuss that and the season and all that. Great poster in the background, by the way, Coach. Um, yeah, let's start there. Triple overtime, 106-104. Even the uh, video stream scoreboard couldn't handle it. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> You know that's what I that's what I got home. My my family told me the same thing. I had my uh, my five year old was keeping uh, track on paper, you know, and I was like, I got home and that's the first thing I saw. And then when I talked to my wife, she's like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nico was keeping the, the scoreboard on the on the game clock uh, or on the TV and the live stream that whatever it's called. You know, they said it didn't go that way, but you know, I appreciate the time to recover. Let me tell you, that's the very first time that I ever felt like completely shot and drained and i told the team afterwards i said i looked at the stat sheet i was like it was blurry i said i i think i uh i think we got lost getting home and i think uh i think i left the garage door open last night you know what i mean so you know, it was it was i can only you know i kept it real light in uh, film and practice yesterday because i still was hung over uh for lack of a better term of a three overtime game like that no i get it i i i certainly am not surprised um, I have called a triple overtime game, not nearly as high scoring, but still it was a triple overtime thriller. And I had one more game after it, and I was ready to tap out uh, about midway through the first half of yeah. that next game. I, I was done. Um, obviously, you're going to take those challenges. You're, you're going to get teams now that have your number because the cat's out of the bag. You guys are a good basketball team, one loss in the season. It came to Springfield. Uh, we'll talk about that. You're undefeated in conference play. The conference who knows you best is going to take their best shots at you. You had two St. Joseph teams that gave you runs for it because the previous game was a five-point game uh, against St. Joe's of Maine. How hard is it to keep the team not motivated but understanding of the fact that while early in the season you might have been able to sneak up on some teams, that's not the case anymore? Yeah, I mean, so, you know, the GNAC is predominantly Emmanuel out of Boston and St. Joe's in Maine. They've been the, the top two dogs for the, for a long time. And, yeah. 
you know, I've been kind of sniffing around and you know, I've had my opportunities, but we've, we've yet to even make a championship game since I've been here. So I've got sure. to the semis, but it's just really been that, that you know, a two horse race. Um, so, uh, you know, to get over the hump and beat Emmanuel for the very first time this year, uh, second time in school history, uh, and then to beat Maine for the very first time in my tenure, and then the first time in school history, you know, I think we beat the Coast Guard in an overtime win. You know, that's when you really start to, you know, think you got something special here, you know, and I, you know, the girls just keep making shots. That's yeah. the best part about my team. These girls make big shots after big shots. They did it in the overtime game. They did it in order to get us over the hump where we've never been before. It's been big time shots, big time shots. And I mean, there's a couple of games like where we could have, but the big time shots has just, just really helped us. Did you, did you see this coming? I know you had eight returners from last year's team. Did you, did you suspect any of that, this type of successful season was on, was around the corner for lack of a better way of saying it? So, you know, I certainly, when I made the schedule, I did not think 18 and one, <laughs> um, but I did see it coming. So uh, very fortunate, you know, in my past 10 years here, I've been here 11. So, you know, right before the pandemic, we had a couple of good teams, you know, we've won 20 games here a, a couple of times. And that's, you know, that's due to the players that I've had in the past. But then I had a re I had to reload like almost everybody. And it just so happened to be the pandemic year. So, you know, we finished the season February 26th. We, we lose to Suffolk in uh, double overtime or just a regular overtime or maybe even double overtime. And it ends two really good players' careers. And I, here I am. I was like, I got to get out there and hit the recruiting trail. <laughs> and I and I went and I got this group of kids. So my I have three juniors and they've been here where we played fake games and they got really, really good experience through those games and they learned that what college because if we if we had a, like a real competition that year, you know, I don't who would be one in eighteen right now, you know. Um but three years later and even last year, you know, we only lost two games in league play, and that was both to Emmanuel and St. Joseph Maine. So being in the league, recruiting to win my league um, is kind of what the transition has happened. And, uh, you know, to give you just a little bit of read, like, so when that was happening, you know, my point guard, Caitlin Scott, number 13 for us, she moves down to a couple schools. And when she said yes to Albertus, it was no to Emmanuel. It was no to Manhattanville, hmm. who are really good competitors. So when you win the recruiting battle three years ago against some of the teams that you play, uh, you know, you, 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 you hope to reap the benefits three years later. So, yeah. you know, and then, you, and then I got lucky with a couple other players, too, because of the pandemic, because of these kids that weren't being able to be seen or they weren't sure. playing as much. You know, I was able to get them, and when the pieces come together, Dave, this is what you get, and it's been such a joy, I'll tell you. You've got a three-and-a-half game lead on Regis in your division of the GNAC, while St. Joe's and, of Maine and Emmanuel get to battle it out atop their division. You can somewhat stay away, but what does is, what is the divisional setup mean in terms of what you are all playing for for conference postseason? Well, I'll tell you <laughs> – you know, it, it 
It's not easy. It's not easy. But I told the girls last year because of the way that the GNAC was set up with, uh, you know, it's unfortunate because next year they get two more teams and this will not be the scenario day. So right now it looks like you will, you know, we had the same breakdown last year. We knew that we would, um, you have to be, so the, to cross over, so the one plays the four, and then we play, we don't reseed. So I will get, most likely, Emmanuel in the second round, Emmanuel St. Joe's in the second round, in the semis, and then have to beat either or in the championship. So I would have <laughs> to beat the two juggernauts in the season twice in order to win, you know, hold, have home court advantage and win the whole thing. So, well, at least it's not three times. No, and it's, but you know what? And, and that's okay. You know what? If that's the challenge, then that's the challenge. We 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 brought it up in the beginning of the year. We've circled dates on our calendars. We've done what we've needed to do. And uh, again, the credit is to the young ladies that just make the the shots that come ready to play. I mean, they haven't disappointed. Even in that game, they didn't even disappoint. What they did was they just ran out of gas because we had played the big game. You know what I mean? You, right. you know the scenario yeah. when there's an upset. You know, I mean, at at, the, at this level, you know, there's no numbers next to our names. You know, next to the school names, most likely. But for us to beat St. Joe's and Maine, like I said, for the first time in school history, that's an upset. And when you had that hangover, so to speak, like I knew that next game, and we came out, we made every shot versus St. Joe's at Connecticut, and they came out in the second half and they made every shot. So you know, like it's it, it was just like. I can see lethargic, and that, I, we got a game again tonight. We got one on Saturday. The road is still uh, very, very hard to navigate. So we're just uh, one game at a time. Yeah, interesting enough, you've played the least amount of games. Um, I think. Oh no, you're 13. I'm sorry, I misread that. <coughs> but so you're up there. I, I thought there were some others. There are some others who've only played 10 games, so they've got a lot ahead of them. Uh, on their schedules uh, again you started the season seven and oh you got to win over Emmanuel. that was the first time as we mentioned since 94 95 just the third time overall your only loss came to then 11 springfield on the road and, and it was a it was a dandy of a of a game how was that one you guys thought you might be able to grab oh man dave i thought we had it because the way we had just been playing it was it was just like the rest of the games it was like kind of close back and forth and then we kind of just shifted gears and we were beating people. Like we were making those big shots. Like I talk about, and we were beating people like even the coast guard, we were losing and we flipped that switch. And, uh, and we, we ended up coming from behind and within like, like three, four minutes, six, all run all of a sudden we win. Right. And Springfield, it just didn't happen. It happened, but they're darn good. They have these two players that had us in a had us had us in fits, man, on defense. And when we made a run at them, it was right there. I mean, we got it down to three, and my girls started to believe it. And then all of a sudden, they hit back to back threes, put it up to nine with like under two minutes to go. And I was like, "Well, that's like the what were they, they were like eleventh ranked or fourteenth ranked?" Yeah. I was like, "I just turned to the team. I said, you know, that's the fourteenth ranked team in the country. You know, that we just got a good look at." And, you know, I, I, I tell them, you know, we didn't need to beat them then, you know, but we no. didn't need to see somebody like that in order yeah. to, you know, have a measuring stick. You know, sometimes I, I, I overshoot my skis, but 
uh, you know, and play teams that I probably don't just for that same reason. Like I played Fair. Amherst in the past and, you know, you just play the nest cats around here in the Northeast. Um, because when I beat those teams, again, I got no business doing that uh, either. So I haven't, but, you know, I'm just saying if it happens, but you know, like that's the, uh, that's the, the measuring stick around here. And, you know, for my, again, for my girls to see that so that if we do win right. our championship, and we are in the tournament for the very first time. They 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 can go off something, you know. Right. Um, after that 11-game winning streak we're on now, we talked about the St. Joseph win. One thing we didn't mention about the triple overtime win, not only was it the first in program history, you lost three of your players to fouls. Uh, you had three of them foul out. You, you That bench needed to come up big. You know, I had put it on there on the scouting report on the board before the game. I said bench plays key because I had known what we just went through at St. Joe's or, or home with St. Joe's, and I uh, I just didn't think it was going to be like that. I just didn't think it was going to be like that, you know. And, you know, I talked to some people after the game, and if you look at St. Joe's shooting percentage from three, is 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 there's only 20%. So, right. you know, just playing the scenarios of I said at this point, like we were – totally outmanned on in position. I, I had bigs playing small and I feel like smalls were playing big. I didn't even know, you know, what the combination was. It was certainly something I'd never even seen in practice before. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, so it was, uh, it was great, you know, and you just, this time of year, like you, you mentioned before, when you're tested, you just, that's how you know you get something special when you get the, the girls that have been waiting all season to make an impact to help in a meaningful spot, they were right there to do so. Hey, talk to me about this team. You're led by Caitlin Scott. She's got uh, 22 points per contest. She hands out nearly four assists on top of that, grabs about four rebounds, gets about two steals per game. She's had 13 games, more than 20 points. We'll get to some of the other ones. But obviously uh, it goes through Scott, and sometimes it, it also goes in with Scott. Yeah, she's been really on a mission these days. And, you know, again, when you when you come in and, you know, I used to you know, tell, you, uh, tell you a secret and everybody else. But, I was going to uh, say, I'm not the only one listening. Yeah, I know. I know I'm a little daring, <laughs> but, I, you know, I I I loved it, man. I, I, I'm never afraid to do anything different. And um, I went to her games as a high school. She she I got lucky. You know, I recruited a kid before her from her school, so I had seen her, and, and, you know, the guy was like, you know, I know who you're here to see, but that's the one. So I had to wait for her, and I knew it. And then when I also, when I knew my competition, that I was, you know, I knew uh, that I was was right on. And uh, I used to show up to the game, her high school games, when I used to dangle my keys in front of her, and I said, these are the keys to the program. And, um she has we have talked about it all the time and you know when she came in as a freshman and that was the pandemic year and she it was a large load for her to handle but she's a uh she's a straight a kid she's majored in uh biology here and you know is you know it, it so as good as she is on the floor is just as good as she is off the floor and you know when you get those kids they they they're a true difference maker you know um but she um she really does make this team go. Uh, it, it, it's, you know, the other night when she only had five or eight points, I forget what she had versus St. Joe's, it was her eight assists that really set the girls up for those big shots, you know, and I thought that, you know, it, it may not have looked like her best game, but from a coach to a player, 
it was exactly what I expected her to do. Not score 39 because they knew that's what they, they knew that was trying, you know, that would have been just the wrong type of way to play. So talk to me about Jakara Murray Leach. Um, 19 points a game for her. Uh, certainly a good player as well. 10 double doubles this season, uh, 10 games with 20 or plus points, 10 games with 10 or more points. If Scott's not getting it done, I'm betting Murray Leach is getting it done. So we're a two headed monster for sure, man. And, uh, it is, it's been great. You know, I've always built the teams on two primary scorers. If it's not the point guard, the big, it was two wing scores. Um, and you know, I needed a point guard with Caitlin and then the year later, I found myself a wing scorer. Uh, she is certainly a product of the pandemic where kind of she fell through the cracks. She had transferred from school to school, and I saw her on her AAU team. And she's a great, great recruit because we have her major here. And she's um, as much as she's when you watch her play, she becomes very appealing because she's like a five ten wing scorer. So, you know, not everybody has that. And, you know, obviously that's what, you know, something that helps us. But, you know, there's going to be somebody that maybe one day thinks that she can maybe make a little bit of money this day and age. And, uh, you know, as much as she may want to, she's doing it the right way because she's studying criminology here. And wow. you know, she, But that's what she came to me with. Like, Coach, you got you got my major? And I said, yeah. She's like, uh, well, then I'm going to come play basketball for you. That's you know, cool. You know what I mean? So yeah, it was. It, it's it's really helpful when those pieces fall together because, you know, I can I can predict what they look like on the court, but when they fall off the court together, it's great. It's great. Great two two great kids, man. I, I you know I can't. The, the whole team is like that, and you know some of my other teams may have been a little rough around the edges. I felt like sometimes. Um, this group has been such a joy to not. I mean, coach. I mean, like I said, this has been the same group. Like I only graduated one girl last year, and Dave, I don't graduate. I don't graduate anybody that, this year. So hopefully, we're talking next year too. No, I mean that's it's great. I, again, breakout season. Uh, you're eighteen and one. You were seventeen and nine last year, so already improved on that. Eighteen and eight. The year before COVID, obviously 23, 20, uh, 2019, let me try that again. 2018, 19, you were 23 and four. That's where I was getting to. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's probably the last time that everybody was kind of paying attention to the Falcons. So the men's team was obviously very big uh, in the national scheme, scheme as well. What's it mean to get the spotlight? What's it mean for this program to, to be getting this attention and do what you're doing, not only in conference play, but even get those on the national side going, hey, we, we should be watching them. Yeah, I mean, I hope so because I just don't know how good this team's going to be. You know, is it this year? Is it next year? What, you know, was it last year where we started right. 7 and then right. we had a 13-game winning streak? You know what I mean? So I, I don't know. You know what I mean? But I will tell you, Dave, uh, I, I'm glad you asked me because, uh, you know, my success at Albertus has a little bit to do with the men's program as well. Uh, I, I believe you know Coach Oliver, right? Oh, yes. You've had Coach O on the on the on this thing. Well, Coach Coach has been a mentor of mine my whole entire uh, upbringing. He was my freshman high school coach in high school, and uh, you know he has put forth a really good template on how to be successful at a small Division three like Albertus Magnus. Yeah, and um, you know I, I used to coach men before I got this job, 
And, um, you know, Coach O, he, he said, hey, look, I'll give you the opportunity. You know, it was it was great uh, being able to work alongside of him. I say that all the time because I don't think I could have worked for him. So <laughs> it's good that I'm across the hall and not in the same office. Well, uh, they, they brought in Jim Calhoun to keep him in check. <laughs> there you go. So, um, but uh, it, it, it's it's great. You know, you know I, I'll tell you this. Bef- when we beat Emmanuel, I texted every former player of mine to just kind of say thank you because, you know, it, as good as my teams are, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm nothing without those girls, you know, like it's, it's been great coaching for 11 years, women's basketball. And, you know, if you asked me 10 years ago or, or right before I got the job, if I, if I thought that like I could do it, it was, yeah, if I get players, if I can get basketball players, like that's just what we do. We just, we just coach basketball here. We teach basketball here. You know, that's what Mitch does. That's what I do. You know, and you get kids to just believe in you and good things happen, man. You get players, Dave. Yeah, that's true. And and obviously <laughs> good things are happening now. Uh, congratulations on what is a great season so far. Obviously, it's not over. You've got five games left in conference play with three of them being at home, and then you got conference tournament action. So still a big hill to climb, and we'll see where you're sitting in terms of regional rankings in the next few weeks, too, if you're able to, to crack into that. Probably will. But in the meantime, we always give the ghost, the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who might be tuned in? Hey, I am a true believer. Now, I, I got tipped off. I've seen you do this before, you know what I mean? So I, I was prepared. I'm prepared. Uh, Dave, it's, it's not what you do. It's how you do it. It's what I tell my players every day. It's what I tell my kids every day. You know, if that's talking about attitude or just your work ethic, um, but – for me, it's uh, it's what I live by. I tell my players, it's what should go on my tombstone. It's not what you do. It's how you do it. Yeah. No, well said. That's very true. Um, something to live by for many people, I would say. Well, congratulations again. Uh, not only on just a fun, entertaining game last time out that we all got to enjoy, but uh, at the same time, just a tremendous season. Uh, tell Mitch I said hi, and uh, sorry you're getting the attention for now. He's going to have to wait. And uh, we'll look forward to talking about uh, your program further down the road. All right, buddy. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Coach Vedette joining us here on the Huddle Hoopsville Hotline. Great. Uh, They got Johnson & Wales coming up here uh, tonight, actually, 530. Forgot to mention that. They're playing tonight. He was kind enough to join us on a a game day. They're at home. Then they're on the road on Saturday at Riviera. Then uh, a week off, and they'll take on Regis uh, a week from Saturday. And then they're back home to finish the season off at Elms and LaSalle. And then, again, conference play the rest of the way. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll uh, talk to an alum of Division Three basketball who's making his name for himself in the sports betting world. Tim Murray joins us, Muhlenberg grad and host on VEASAN. You listen to Hoops, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. So much more still ahead. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it.
It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual, sexual assault. assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. There are over 480,000 college athletes. Only 2% would go pro. That means over 470,000 will not get a shoe contract. No autographs. No private jets. No fan clubs. No Hall of Fame inductions. Instead, they will walk away with something much more valuable. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Coach of the Year, Administrator of the Year, All-America Team, Wade Trophy. The WBCA doesn't just honor coaches, but players, administrators, and much more. The WBCA strives to honor those who have contributed to the advancement of women's basketball. Celebrate the present, honor the past, look to the future. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. It's on us. It's on. I'll cut that off because I'm running a little behind. Welcome back to Hoopsville on the ninth annual Hoopsville Marathon. Yes, ninth annual. I did that math and I was just as shocked as you, just as I'm as shocked that we've been on the air for 20 seasons. One of the great things about this show is I try and do different things with it, try to get a bunch of alums. I'll be honest, I've been turned down by some very good alums uh, for today, but we'll get them on on future shows. Uh, but one alum who said absolutely he would love to join me is a good friend of mine, um, one who I've actually had the honor of broadcasting with. But I, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm more than content to understand that he's done a lot better than I in the uh, broadcasting world, even though um, I'm not really sure. Maybe it's the looks. I, it could be the looks. Tim Murray joins us. He is Visa and host, former grad of Muhlenberg. And I mean, look at him, guys. He clearly, it's all about the looks, Tim. That's how you're, how you're succeeding in this, in this world. hundred <laughs> percent. You know, the gingerness <laughs> finally paid off. Didn't really work. In <laughs> didn't really work in middle school, Dave, but uh, I guess nowadays, uh, you know, I was getting my hair cut the other day, and I looked down, and 
There was a little bit of white in the uh, in the hair, and I said, you know what? Now I kind of have this like brownish, reddish look. I'm like, all right, it's working out finally. There you go. Yeah, it's yeah. working out real nice and working out so well that you are now living and residing in the great area of Las Vegas. Um, we get to see each other once in a while when we're out there, but we'll get to all that first and foremost. We should we should point out to everybody, despite the uh, Notre Dame background which is the most confusing thing in all the land for you red for you sir you are as the jersey shows a muhlenberg grad you are proud of such facts and some of the great little tidbits that came with it yeah yep 2005 to 09 um you know it's it's funny you know and uh you know i'm not just uh, here to uh to give you your roses, but you deserve it. You know, what you and, and Pat have done for division three athletics, uh, it was incredible. And, you know, I, you know, my brother played D three baseball. Um, and that kind of opened my eyes. He went to Randolph Macon. Um, yeah. you know, I was fortunate enough to, to chat with Mike Rhodes when he was there a little bit, uh, wasn't good enough to, uh, to go to Randolph Macon, but, uh, <laughs> most of us know, weren't. <laughs> yeah. Most of us weren't, uh, I got to play against them. Uh, that was, a that was, a uh, that's my, my one claim to fame. And, uh, I wish, you know, VCU and Mike Rhodes, all the success in the world, not because, you know, I like Mike Rhodes, which I do, but because I played against them. So, yeah. you know, anytime I could say, Hey, I played against that guy. Yeah, exactly. Um, right. But no, I mean, you know, as I, you know, I like to put up there, um, you know, Division Three athletics is is such a an important, you know, asset to to so many schools, and you know, growing up, you know, and and Dave, you could maybe attest to this a little bit, but I grew up in the D.C. area where, look, I was fortunate enough to play basketball against a lot of high profile Division One players, oh, yeah. and Division Three. And and hopefully over the years, you know, things have changed a little bit. But there was a, a bizarre kind of connotation about Division Three, at least basketball, uh, growing up. And you know, I knew what I was. You know, I was six six and could shoot a little, and not super athletic. And you know, knew knew kind of where I wanted to be. Um, so I, you know, and and fortunately, a couple of schools were interested. Muhlenberg made the most sense for me, and you know, I, I've talked to a number of coaches about it in the D.C. area, you know, including you know Mike Rhodes and and you know former Catholic U coach Steve Howes. So you know, I, I've been you know separated a little bit from the game, you know, for about you know five seven years or so, in, at least in the D.C. area, Dave. But you know, you know, because to come full circle, it's just. It, it was it was the best decision I've ever made. You know, uh, it set me up for a lot of things. And uh, you know, look, I did not have the most prolific career. Uh, I was fortunate enough to get on the floor a little bit. And, yeah, I appreciate uh, all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had a trouble. Uh, yep, you know? yep. And uh, but uh, ultimately, you know, it was cool. I mean, it was it was great to be in a conference. You know, Dave, you and I have talked many nights about the Centennial Conference. And you know, when I played. In 2009, Franklin and Marshall made a run to the Final Four. Yeah. In 2008, uh, Ursinus made a run to the Final Four. Uh, they went undefeated in our conference that year. Gettysburg had a couple good years in there. Johns Hopkins was really good uh, in 2000, I want to say, six, yep. six or seven. So, you know, it's a really, really good conference. And obviously, you know, as I like to – look, if, if anyone knows me, I'm very self-deprecating. <laughs> and you know my my best game of my career, Dave, 
uh, came against Swarthmore. And for those Division Three enthusiasts now, obviously that's a big-time program, top <laughs> 10 in the country. And I yeah. just want everyone to know that's how they always have been. Sure. And they never no. were a three-win team or no. anything like that. No. They've Figment. always been a perennial power. Yep. And uh, I, you know, had eight and seven against Swarthmore in a triumphant victory back in, uh, I think it was December of 07, I want to say. Yeah, no, they were a powerhouse at the time, in your own mind. (laughs) In your own mind. Uh, They were, uh, yeah, no, I mean, the Centennials continued, and you and I got to work with each other. You reminded me in the break, I had totally forgotten about this. We had invited you down to St. Mary's for, for NCAA tournament games that we were calling. That's how you and I got going with each other. But then we we called plenty of games in the Centennial Conference together. We would just tag off on who was doing play by play for the most part. Uh, I, I I I feel bad for the bro- for those listening at home because they probably were confused as to what we were doing exactly with the broadcast. But Luke Stilson didn't seem to care. Um, I, I'm curious what led you out of out of well, you and I were calling games. You were doing certainly a good job with that. What led you down the road into the sports betting world because. You, you took an immediate right turn at some point. You were down at NBC Washington, uh, the, the old Comcast Sportsnet down there, kind of doing this before it was a thing. And then all of a sudden, boom, you're on, on VEASAN. What, what drew you in that direction? What Was it just happenstance, or, or did you have a purpose in mind? Yeah, it's, it's a lot of it's a great question, and I've been asked this a lot. And a lot of it's happenstance, a lot of it's fortunate you know, timing, um, you know, I, I won't try to be too long winded here, but, you know, my goal in my in my career has always been to be involved with sports. And, you know, as you mentioned, uh, you know, I was fortunate enough to uh, call games initially at Franklin and Marshall uh, and then McDaniel uh, and and, you know, still kind of keep my fingers uh, working full time. And, and, you know, ultimately, I, I left doing McDaniel games, just couldn't couldn't piece it together. Uh, with my schedule when I was doing a, a night show uh, in Washington D.C. on on ESPN Radio there, and uh, also doing mornings, but you know, as as on you know this, a lot of people have dealt with layoffs and and, and all works uh, and avenues, but especially in the media world, it, it can be tricky. So you know, I hit a hit kind of a, a rut uh, where 2017 I got laid off from. You know, working for ESPN Radio in Washington D.C., and then I was doing some national work, and uh, that dried up in in summer of 2018. And uh, as you mentioned, I was I was down at NBC Sports Washington, kind of doing some behind the scenes work. Um, and this was the fall of 2018, and you know they had interest of getting into the sports gambling landscape, and you know because of my background of you know not only working for uh, you know, ESPN radio in DC, but also my ties from, you know, going to the Olympics with Westwood one, it was kind of this collaboration of radio television that was coming together for the sports, uh, gambling, uh, aspects. And, uh, they asked me to try out in December of 2018, uh, fortunate enough to get it. And, uh, we hit the ground running with a show called the daily line in January of 2019, you know, my involvement in sports gambling, you know, I did not gamble while I was a collegiate athlete. Let me put that out there. Full disclaimer, <laughs> I didn't do anything illegal. Uh, I was not point shaving or anything like that. I can promise you that. Uh, but, you know, it's it's really interesting how I got interest, uh, involved in sports gambling. You know, it was, there was a, 
a talk show host who's still prominent in the D.C. area. His name's Kevin Sheehan, and he used to do a, a segment. He called it the smell test. And hmm. essentially what it was was he would look at lines, you know, for NFL games or college football games, and he would say, you know, when it seems too good to be true, you go the other way. Sure. And I kind of kept tabs on it and just kept an eye on on that method, and it really got me fascinated. And then we just started talking about it because I've been a big college football guy, and that's really what got me involved in it, started to incorporate a little bit into my own show uh, in D.C. So I had some base knowledge, but I'll be honest, when I was hired for the show in January of 2019, you know, I've told a lot of people this, you know, I was fortunate, Dave, to get in at kind of a, at the right time where – you know, we were we were working our butts off, but you know, I was making mistakes. You know, saying you know saying terminology that probably wasn't you know the right way to go about it. Didn't have the right uh, betting acumen, and I'll, I'll you know I, I was hired by Veasan in uh, in September of 2020, uh, 2021, and there's no way uh, they would have hired me. You know, <laughs> in 19, you know, so yeah, you know, it, it, it I've been fortunate enough to kind of get in at the right time and and just kind of hit the ground running. So yeah, I mean, you know, sometimes you just you you're able to to strike at the right time, and and fortunately for me, as of right now, and and hopefully we can keep it rolling. You know, I just got into the sports gambling landscape as it was about to explode, and no, you know, we just saw Dave. Uh, earlier yeah. this week that uh, the state of Massachusetts just became the 33rd state to legalize sports gambling. So it's just continuing to grow. Yeah, I mean, we could dive into the whole sports gambling world and, and the aspect that the U.S. is probably one of the last countries to figure it out, rightly or wrongly. There are people who hate it and people who love it. And and I will be honest, I am a new I'm a newbie in the grand scheme. I, I barely dabble. I have some restrictions with my MLB sure. work. I'm not even allowed to touch baseball with a 10-foot pole. Um, but with, even with the NCAA, I try and stay away from that stuff just so there isn't any possible infractions. But doesn't mean there aren't other things. I've certainly dabbled with, with horse racing. But my point being is, yeah, you got in. You started that show uh, at NBC DC, and you start you got into VEASAN, which we should remind everybody is Brent Musburger's uh, pride and joy, his baby. And to be honest, he was doing this back in the 80s. Where you're looking live had a mm-hmm. meaning behind it. Now we're used to Van Pelt making it front and center about gambling. We, And by the way, probably one of the best segments on television is Van Pelt's segment every week about bad beats. I, I tune it in and I have no, no clue what's going on necessarily, but I enjoy it. But you did. You got in ahead of it. You got in at VEASAN, which has exploded. Um, you were do, They were doing shows at South Point, which is obviously a place that we know well at D3 Hoops. And then now they're up at the big big boys up at Caesars and the rest. Um What's it been like to to ride what is essentially this rocket ship of gambling interest and essentially be on some major show times, let's be honest, talking about gambling and and the right way to do it and all that stuff um, during this kind of just frenzied pace of everything? Yeah, I mean, it's been it's been incredible, you know, and, and, you know, everything in life is and I don't want to say everything, uh, but a lot of things in life are about timing. And, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, I've, I've gone back and I've, I've had chats with, uh, you know, folks at the communication department at Muhlenberg and, and other places. And look, it's, it's going to be a roller coaster ride, you know, and, and, you know, for me, I'll be honest, you know, Dave in, you know, in December or excuse me, in the fall of, of 2018, 
Um, you know, I'd been out of college for almost a decade. I had a kid, you know, and, you know, my wife was just kind of taking it from me. I was, you know, in a, in a, got in a great spot, you know, and, and I was very lucky to, you know, get in at the right time and, and continue just to, to grind it out. And now I look around and I'm like, oh my goodness, you know, look yeah. at, look at how this is taken off. But, you know, it, it, it's been awesome. It, it's been great to see. And, you know, it, you know, working for VSIN, which, uh, our CEO is, is is Brian Musburger, Brent Musburger's nephew, but Brent obviously very involved. Yeah. And, you know, certainly I, I would say there is no network, in my opinion, without Brent, right? No, he, right. He, yeah. he was there right from the jump, you know, had the show My Guys in the Desert, which I was very fortunate enough to be, you know, the co-host of, not with Brent, uh, but when I came out to Las Vegas, you know, and, and you know, getting to know Brennan a little bit, you know, run into him. It's, it's, it's stunning. You know, it's, it's, it's surreal to think about it. Uh, but, you know, to your point about Scott Van Pelt, I mean, you know, he deserves a ton of credit, you know, for the bad beats. And now people always wonder, you know, on a three pointer at the end of a game, Oh, was that a bad beat? You know, what was the <laughs> right. spread? Is you that going to make his show Tuesday? It, it's becoming, you know, we have to be careful um, you know, it's, it's becoming very common and, and a lot of people are getting involved in it and I'm never gonna, you know, I'm, I'm excited, you know, you know, people might think, oh, you know, there's a, there's competitors out there. Great. I want this. Look, I want it to grow. You, you worked in network news for a while. It breaks my heart, you know, to see my hometown, Washington, DC, you know, really have limited number of sports anchors. When I grew oh, up with yeah. legends, man, I mean, you I was at the about start of all George that. George Michael and you know Tim Brandt and Herzog. Yeah. I mean the the list and the names that just went on and on and on. And uh, so you know if this is the new avenue, great. You know if we can continue to make this uh, a, a medium for a lot of people to continue to be creative and and uh, more jobs, gr wonderful. So you know, and, and I'll, I'll point this out too because I, I know people might be wondering, and I know you know Division Three. <laughs> Uh, very rarely, I think I, you know, once in a while the stag bowl will have stag a bowl, line yeah. on it, but yeah, you know, there, stag there's, bowl. there's very few things to bet on when it comes to Division no. Three athletics. Thankfully, but, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I'll point this out, and I got to know uh, a gentleman by the name of Matt Holt out here who runs a company called U.S. Integrity, and you know their job is to keep an eye on any fishiness, and right. you know a lot of people are anticipating, you know, point shaving and all of that, and there's always going to be uh skepticism but absolutely lot las vegas you might not believe this las vegas is as buttoned up as anywhere in the world because what do they want to avoid they don't want any of this right and and, and dave you see you know people are like well you know you could bet on anything in las vegas no that's not true you have to be able to prove these things right in a box score so you know let's for instance we got the super bowl coming up Gatorade color. Guess what you can't bet on in Las Vegas? Gatorade color. Because I, I, that's got a human element. Someone will Fair know point. the answer. Things yeah. you can bet on in Las Vegas are, you know, they might get creative with like, will Steph Curry score more points than the longest field goal or something like sure. that? Right. Because those all happen on a field or a court. And you've got you know, something but, hard to look at. Exactly. Yeah. So that's where, and then, you know, the Oscars are one that some states have legalized. You know, Vegas, Nevada has not. Um, elections, uh, some states are looking into. I know they do it for uh, you know across the uh, across the world, but they haven't oh, done yeah. it here in the United States. So, 
Yeah, we're just getting there, and I know I'm kind of going on crazy. No, it's all right. Here, but, I got two um, quick questions before I let yeah. you go. The first one, I'm genuinely curious. When you, t- I, I know I follow you on Twitter, and you'll talk about what you're betting and how you're betting because it's part of the yeah. gig, it's part of the thing. Are you spending your own money, or has Vison given you a bit of money, like a, a stipend, for lack of a better description, to use that for that betting? I wish that'd be nice. No, no I was just I, I'm genuinely yeah. curious because I I could understand that being an an, an angle for Visa to go. Hey, you're yep. you're gambling. Here's some money to do that. Or I could also totally see him going. No, you use your own cash. Yeah, no, I, I use my own, and and I always tell people, you know, and Dave, you mentioned you, know, you dabble a little bit, you know, just be willing to lose it. Um, right. You know that that's the biggest thing is if you've got a side pot of money, you know, um, and you make a couple extra bucks one year, you're hot. Great. Because ultimately, there's there's a reason they keep building these big old buildings here yes, in yes. Las Vegas, yes. and it's not on donations. So, no, uh, yeah, it's no. my own money. And, we uh, take you know. donations. We take donations on this show. <laughs> That's Vegas, right. Yeah. Vegas does not take donations. They don't need your money. No, Hoopsville needs your money. I would love to get you on the show later and talk more about this because I do think it's going to creep in to a lower levels in some capacity. I, I'm not expecting us to be betting on every single Wednesday night. Not that. But I do want to dabble into it. And so sometime down the road, I would love to get into that a little bit more with you. Uh, I know you're still broadcasting and all of that. Um, wh- wh- how much do you get to enjoy watching Division Three? Are you so ingrained, and I mean this in a serious way, ingrained in the in the big stuff that it's hard to follow? Yeah, to be honest, I mean, I you know, I I keep tabs on it every once in a while. Um, sure. You know, I, I, and I follow you, and I follow Pat, and you know, so that that kind of keeps me posted. My brother went to Randolph Macon. He played baseball, uh, but he keeps a close eye on the hoops team. So it was pretty neat. Uh, I was fortunate enough, right when the pandemic hit, um, you know, I I had some flexibility to to do some stories. So I, I reached out to to coach. Uh, uh, Merkel and, and Coach Hedrick down there at, at Randolph-Macon because at the time, Macon men's ba- um, baseball was one, and I think uh, the men basketball were headed to the Elite Eight or Sweet yeah, 16 that to sounds play about Yeshiva. Right. Yes, uh, that was the year say. everything fell apart. Yep. And the school hadn't won a national title yet, so uh, I, I reached out to them, talked to them, wrote a story about that. So I, I keep tabs on it. Uh, certainly when the tournament rolls around, um, you know, my alma mater uh, didn't make the NCAA tournament for football this year, but I've kept close ties on that. Yeah. But yeah, to be honest, Dave, not as much as I used to, certainly when I was certainly. calling games with you uh, there at McDaniel. So uh, it's interesting to see the, you know, the, the different names pop up. I'll shoot you texts every once in a while. Yeah. I'm like, hey, w- this team's good now. What? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They turned it around. So, yeah, it's uh, I should probably do a better job of, uh, no. of keeping uh, keeping updated on the on the. And no, I get it. I get it. I, I actually would have been impressed if you said you were you were saying on top of it more. So uh, I get it. Hey, it's always the invite is open if you ever want to come and do a game. I know you're busy, but when we're out in Vegas, you're always welcome to, on the sideline with us or even just to sit there and enjoy the games. And uh, though I know the wife would like you during the holidays, um, so I can appreciate <laughs> that. Uh, I got to let you go. Again, we'll get you on at a later time because there's so much more I'd love to talk to you about uh, in the general sense. But uh, as always, we give our guests the final word. Many final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? Yeah, I mean, I, I just, I, once again, I, I know what you're doing right now with the marathon, and I've, I've followed you, you know, for years, uh, and uh, I, I love what you guys do, and uh, D3 Athletics is, is incredible, um, and, and hopefully, you know, uh, some of these folks can uh, get some NIL deals uh, there, and, and you know, make a couple bucks on the side, whatever that may be, but yeah, I, I love D3 Athletics. It's just, it's been. 
you know, it, people, the connotation by some and, you know, is like, oh, you know, it's glorified in our murals. Like, get the hell out of here. Go play it. You yeah. know, like it, Agreed. go, go, go try out for one of those teams and see how much time and effort goes in uh, to to this. And, you know, it, you know, I've said it. I said it to start it and I, I'll say it to close it. You know, I, I'm so fortunate and, and to play all four years would never give it back. Look, my career was not what maybe I was anticipating, you know, but uh, I got to play all four years, uh, you know, got to be elected captain. Uh, and uh, I'll never forget those uh, those games and, you know, where my career ended, you know, against a team that ultimately went to the final four and Franklin yeah. Marshall. But no, it's just, you know, I, I, I'm so grateful for what you do and, and what D3 Hoops and D3 Football and all the sites do, Dave. It's, it's just so vital and, uh, you know, really appreciative of the invite. And, uh, you know, I know you get to talk to great coaches and, you know, love all, I love talking to the coaches too and, and seeing the, you know, the success of, of some of these coaches as they, as they rise up. So appreciative of you, appreciative of what you do and appreciative of all the division three athletes out there. I mean, it is, it's a grind, man. You know, it is a grind and, uh, you truly epitomize student athlete. And uh, that's the that's the cool thing about D3 athletics. And uh, hopefully it continues to strive for from years and years and years to come. Agreed. Hey, quickly remind everybody if they're watching VEASAN where they can catch it. Yeah, it's uh, if you have YouTube TV, we're on YouTube TV, part of the sports package. So if you get your red zone, we're part of that. Uh, my show is on from 6 to 9 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, my co-host is uh, former Tulane quarterback, former Bucks QB, Sean King, who was getting some love over the weekend because yeah. – uh, how young he was when he started for the Bucks in the <laughs> NFC Championship game uh, yeah. back in 2000. But yeah, six to nine p.m. Eastern. So if you want to get your uh, your fill of uh, of the gambling uh, insight, you can listen to us for free too. Uh, we're on a many terrestrial affiliates and Vsin.com. So uh, nice. Yeah, hopefully we keep growing here, Dave, and uh, you know we can. Uh, one of these days, we'll have you on to break down the Stag Bowl uh, with the <laughs> you know Whitewater is a three point favorite over yeah. Mount Union. That'd be fun. Someday that that being a big enough deal, that'd be that'd be fun to tackle. <laughs> hey, thanks for the time, bud. Really appreciate it. Take care of yourself. Enjoy it all. I'll look forward to catching up with you down the road soon. All right, Dave. Appreciate it, man. Tim Murray joining us, uh, host of Visa out in Las Vegas. Uh, outstanding uh, to get talk with Tim. Tim and I are good friends. Love chatting with him. And again, I mean, he's got the good looks. That's why he, things are going so well for him. We'll take a break, running a little bit behind. Polly Thomason's going to join us, not the UT Dallas women's basketball coach, U Hartford women's basketball coach. Talk about the transition that they are under in Division or Division One to Division Three. So much more ahead here on the marathon. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it.
It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. There are over 480,000 college athletes. Only 2% would go pro. That means over 470,000 will not get a shoe contract. No autographs. No private jets. No fan clubs. No Hall of Fame inductions. Instead, they will walk away with something much more valuable. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. These are your teams, your players, your community of fans. This is where they play, where they practice, where you cheer at every meet, every event, every game. Your community is passionate, dedicated, supportive. You know the tension of a close game and the thrill of the win. So while you're cheering, keep an eye out for anything out of the ordinary. If you see something suspicious, say something to local authorities. Welcome back to Hoops, everybody. As we continue to roll along, a little bit running behind, so we're going to keep things rolling here. But if you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville. You can also email us, Hoopsville at D3Sports.com. You can join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. We're live simulcasting the show as we are on YouTube.com slash Hoopsville as well. Great to chat with Tim Murray. I, I need more time because there was so much I wanted to talk to Tim about uh, that is so great. And um, uh, trust me, my mind was like, oh, I want to ask him this. I want to ask him this. And well, we'll find a way to do it at a future date for sure. Now, speaking of gambling, that's a big Division One thing. Well, it's not as big in Division Three, and there's one school that is transitioning out of all of that from Division One to Division Three. And what I found interesting with the U Hartford's move is they've now announced that they're going to the Triple C Conference and they'll fully be a member of Division Three next year. There's been a big fight on the men's basketball side about a lot of small things um, I have my own opinions on that I think is just foolish. Um, but they're basically being D3 now so that they're fully D3 next season. What I found interesting in the offseason is who they hired for women's basketball coach because Melissa Hodgden, I believe, was the interim head coach. She had left Wheaton, uh, Massachusetts, and eventually become an assistant coach at U Hartford. And then, and she's been a big friend and fan of the show. She was interim. I'm like, oh, she might get that job. That's interesting. And all of a sudden, one day, 
I'm chatting with a friend of mine. She doesn't say anything about it. And a couple of days later, she's named head coach of the Red Hawks. And I'm sitting there going, what the hell happened? I thought she was my friend. Well, I've kept her at least enough of a friend to join, have her join us on the Hoopsville Hotline, Polly Thomas, and the now head coach of the Red Hawks. Right, Polly? You and I were literally chatting on the phone. I'm like, da-da-da-da-da. A couple days yeah. later, I'm like, what the heck? You buried yeah. the lead. Yeah, it's kind of a secret. I think I surprised a lot of people. And I just got to clarify, we're, ju- we're just the Hawks. Just the Hawks. Oh, no okay. Just the Hawks. I will yeah, take, no I'll get rid of the red. I apologize. Yeah, no worries. Um, all right, I got to ask, and and because there's a lot of to ask, and we don't have a ton of time to ask it, because yeah. I probably asked for too much and should have booked a longer segment. <laughs> what drew you to you Hartford from UT Dallas, where you'd been having a lot of success? Oh man, I haven't heard this question at all. No, uh, I figured you had. It's a brand new one. It. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, first I uh, was really frustrated with the NCAA and how they continued to treat the South and the West regions. Um, in their pairings in the first and second rounds. Uh, I mean, it's great to play in the NCAA tournament, but it's absolutely frustrating and um, sad for your players when you have to play a conference opponent for the fourth time um, in sometimes three weeks. So I was just really frustrated that I didn't think anything was ever going to change. Um, I thought we had a chance when the transition transformation committee came on board and maybe NCAA would give Division Three more money. We could change our championships. You know, that's not happening or it doesn't seem like it's going to happen anytime soon. So I felt, you know, I was ready to make a move and where else to move is, you know, the Northeast where we have tons of division threes and I may not see a conference opponent in the NCAA until maybe sweet 16 elite eight, which is way more fitting, I think, and way more appropriate. So that got me looking, that got me interested. And then um, when I took a look at Hartford and the Hartford job, I felt it was just something really um, that my values, I love division three. I've been longtime division three student athlete coach, been involved with the WBCA and the NCAA, like I felt like I could help them as much as they could help me. Um, so there was just a lot of really amazing things at Hartford that drew me to the job. And um, a challenge is what I've always been for. I love uh, something that I can rebuild and something that we can really make uh, successful and hopefully compete on a national level in the near future. So I just felt like it was perfect. It was perfect timing for me. It was perfect timing uh, for my career, honestly, I think. It's almost too bad. Like you couldn't have been on some committee that may have been able to help change things um, yeah. for, the, for the better. Yeah. I mean, you, uh, I, I, I feel like we tried. Um, I just I know feel like... Did. I know, I'm being you know, sarcastic. It's, yeah, it's just the, the, the rules, the way, the way yeah. they have it written as far as, you know, it's a regional thing at first what? and... It is but what you, it is. You knew that the challenges that Hartford had presented. There were a lot of people who were, for lack of a better term, pissed off that Absolutely. the Hawks were, were leaving D1 for D3. I mean, granted, I'm biased from Division Three, but reading what I read, duh. And I'm surprised more D1s haven't said it. Heck, I've even stated on the show a couple of weeks ago that I'm surprised more HBCUs don't look at coming to the Division Three um, to, to steady the ship, as it were. So why jump into this challenge? Uh, I felt like it was, I don't know, there was just something about it that I, it spoke to me. Um, I met with the student athletes and I could tell that they needed a coach that just really got it and understood the transition understood they were going through. I felt like that spoke to me. Um, I think the, the area of the country excited me. Obviously there's tons of great basketball in the Northeast, tons of great coaches. I mean, that's how I'm going to become a better coach is competing against them. Um, I was 17 years in the same state playing in the same league, got a little bit old, honestly, a little bit going to the same towns, same road trips, same restaurants. 
Uh, so it just, it really excited me. And I love what Hartford offers. I mean, we've got great academics, things that women really are getting into these days. We've got a great facility, um, D1 facilities, honestly, uh, that hopefully we'll be able to recruit to and uh, players will be excited to play in. Um, and I think we're headed in a great direction. Um, I met some alumni this past weekend that are excited for us, that were thrilled to meet us and meet the coaching staff and are excited in the direction that we're going to. So I just feel like there's a lot of positive things that are coming um, towards Hartford. And yeah, there's people who are very angry and are still outspoken about it. Um, but I can't worry about those those voices because I think there's just a lot of great people at Hartford doing the right thing, working hard to, to make Hartford just a really continue to grow and, and be a tremendous division three. I mean, obviously the attention from the men's former men's basketball coach. And again, don't get me started. Cause I think some of it was just showboating. Um, uh, you, you're surprised that they don't send an athletic trainer to every event. Well, welcome to division three and every other division, by the way. Um, but and that's gotten a lot of the attention. Um, we know this is happening. You're joining the Triple C. This this is it. I know you guys are going through a rough season because of it, because you're in that transition. I was genuinely curious. How has been the reception been on the team? How's the reception been amongst others about moving from D1 to D3 in the very different world that everything will be in? Well, I think I think the players we have in place now, um, they know they know what was gonna happen this year, right? We were very honest talking to them this summer, very honest with what the schedule was. Like we still talk about it every day. You know what's what's our level of uh, ability compared to the teams we're playing. So we're not shying away from those conversations, but they get it. Um, it's not easy by any means. This is probably right. one of the hardest years in my career. Um, just trying to figure out how to motivate and inspire uh, when you're not winning a lot of games. And sometimes that's all you see is the W's or the L's. That's all you care about. So uh, for me, I've had to be really creative and, and really find different ways to motivate and, and inspire. And sometimes I'm good at it. Sometimes I fail. But to me, that's part of like my growth as a coach. But I think the team's been really great. You can When you watch us, you know there might be possessions that we aren't successful, but we still play hard. We still play for 40 minutes. Our, our players come in every day with a ma- mindset to work hard and get better, regardless of what the outcome is. And that's all I can ask. And I have said right. from day one, like the group I coach, I think they're incredibly brave. Um, they know what, you know, what our situation is. They know we're behind the eight ball and we're at a huge disadvantage uh, to some of the teams we're, com- we're competing with or competing against. But they still want to come in and work hard and do what they can to be successful. And that's not easy. Um, but credit to them. They, they, really, they really give us everything they have every day. And I'm proud to coach them. How's the schedule coming along for next season? I mean, because oh. if I have it correct, you, you're in conference play in the Triple C next year, right? Yeah, I'm so excited. We're going <laughs> to play a full Division Three schedule next year, and I cannot wait. Yeah, we've got we've got our CCC schedule already locked in. Um, we've already been uh, blessed with some non-conference games, some of my friends and some of just coaches that we were going to return that we played this year. So, yeah, we I think we were maybe one game away from being done with our scheduling. So, yeah, we're excited. We're, we're pumped. We're just, you know, surviving this year, having a great attitude about it, getting great experience, playing at different gyms across the country that I've never been to and uh, thankfully we'll never go to again. Uh, and then uh, be in the CCC next year and see what happens. I ask this genuinely because Amherst has said that they have trouble scheduling teams, and NESCACs have said that before. Are any of the NESCACs or an Amherst on this schedule? Not yet, but will okay. they will? I promise. Because hey, I no, I'm I'll just curious. Say, I when I was at UTD, I was begging Amherst and other NESCACs. I wanted to play them. When they were like, "We can't. We don't have a full schedule." I'm like, "I'll come to you. I will play you." So we're going to get to that point for sure. 
Uh, well, I figured you would. I just didn't know how fast. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Was basically what I was curious give, give, about. You know, give me a little yeah. time. I, I understand. Yeah. I understand. But from the school's perspective, how much is your Division Three knowledge and understanding of the division? How much are they leaning on you too to help with their overall transition? Yeah, I think they uh, they definitely use me as a resource, which I'm open to, and I'm excited. That was one of the reasons I really wanted uh, this opportunity is because I felt like I have so much knowledge and I can help them, especially we just had a compliance meeting this morning talking about the new Division Three rules, and I'm like, yes, this is great. This is how it used to be. you know. So, yeah, I, I am like after whatever they need from me, I'm for it, and I think that's one of the reasons that they uh, chose me for the position is I can help them in that way. So I love uh, it, and I love that they're using me. Have they? Have you gotten used to the winters yet? I love. It's colder in Dallas right now than it is that's here true. in Connecticut. That's and true. And then we shut down. I will say that's the nice thing about being here. Yeah. We're not shut down. So that's true. Uh, though I don't the, have the, to deal with that. I saw what the temperatures are supposed to be here in a few days. So enjoy <laughs> it while you can. Uh, <laughs> my mother. I do. My, my, my mother's house is supposed to be a high of minus seven on Saturday. So. <laughs> Uh, well, you and I have always talked about the weather, and you know I've always loved the cold. So no, I know this exactly. Is, this is great for me. Yeah, I know you're loving it. Uh, you're also going to be more sport. So who? I mean, I'm right, not. Who cares? You're going to be uh, pretty close to the Final Four too. So while you're obviously not participating, I, and I know with your WBCA role, you're still involved. So things have worked out kind of nicely. Yeah, it's pretty. It's very exciting. I I've already blown up Kelly and Megan, saying I'm here for you guys. Whatever you need, I mean, I will be your volunteer. You know, I will get you coffee. Uh, so I'm really excited. They were here. I think it was in December for a site visit. You know, got to see them. So I'm I'm going to volunteer, do whatever they need me to do, and then you know, the joint championship is in Dallas this year for yeah. our uh, Division Three, and I love that opportunity as well. So it's kind of home for both places, I think, which is neat. What's the what's the realistic goal for the program? Uh, where can you be with it? When? Well, my goal is as soon as we're eligible for a CCC championship, I want to win it. Um, what what's, is so the timing on that? Does this year count? Uh, this is our first year for the transition. So it is so, a transition year this year. Okay. Yeah, this is year one. Year two will be next season. We won't. Right now, we're not eligible for CCC championship. Um, we're still working on that because I won't have any scholarship players next year. So. Um, we're still trying to see if that'll make a difference. In well, in decision. year two, you you count for the data, right? So right, count for the data, count for the. I think it's. Um, you just can't be the, the NCAA's. Right, NCAA's will be in three years, including this year. So right, um, yeah. So, as soon as they let me in that tournament, uh, NCCC tournament, I, I want to be ready and prepared to win it. That's my goal. Um, sure. I don't know if it's realistic, but that's definitely what we're going to be working working towards and, and quickly is it different recruiting trails i assume you're you're getting used to one schools being a lot closer uh and <laughs> and to the fact that it's a different recruiting world yeah 100 i mean there's a lot more competition up here clearly uh there's a lot more teams that are interested in the same players we're interested in but i think one of the the draws i have and one of the things i think harford really liked about me is i still plan on recruiting areas that we recruited in texas um you know there's, that's where there's i was headed next <laughs> yeah there's a population 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 surge in texas that we want to tap into and uh, we're definitely got a lot of players in the pipeline from that area that we want to bring up to the connecticut uh, northeast so uh, i think we've had some success already and you know there's other areas of the country that i think we can recruit uh, and spend a lot of time in as well so that's that's our plot that's our plan 
Awesome. I would love to spend more time, but I know we'll have more opportunities to chat with you. You're also a great friend of the program, but you've also been so integral in why the WBCA is a partner with this show. And so I've always enjoyed having you on and I appreciate it. And uh, I know we'll get another opportunity to talk to you, even if it's just on the side, maybe give me a small heads up. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Sit there going, I I swear I was just talking to her. Uh, Well, I appreciate you and everything you do for Division Three. Uh, well, thanks, Paul. This is awesome, and thank you for the chance to talk about Hartford. Absolutely. I always give the final word to the coach. Anything else you want to add? Um, go Hawks. You don't have to. Figured I'd throw it at you. Go Hawks. There you go. Go Hawks. Wonderful. Hey, thanks so much for the time. Good luck the rest of the way. Um, I know it's not easy. I know there'll be more headlines, but we look forward to seeing the Hawks officially in Division Three competition next year and moving on from there, and uh, we'll talk soon. Thank you. Polly Thomas and joining us on the Huddle Hoopsville Hotline. Appreciate her taking the time. Going to take a real quick break because uh, Luis McCleary is waiting to talk about the state of Division Three with us, and so we got to get going. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com. Back with more after this. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To To stop stop sexual sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. There are over 480,000 college athletes. Only 2% would go pro. That means over 470,000 will not get a shoe contract. No autographs. No private jets. No fan clubs. No Hall of Fame inductions. Instead, they will walk away with something much more valuable. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Welcome back to Hoopsville. The marathon continues to roll along. What time is it here? It's 3.22 Eastern time live on the show. That means we're in hour number four. I totally have lost track of that. If you got questions for us, 
Tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Sports.com. You can also join us on the live streams where we're simulcasting either on YouTube or on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville, youtube.com slash D3Hoopsville. If you happen to be watching the it's scrolling at the bottom of the screen. If you're listening on the podcast, thanks so much. We know this is broken up into a couple of podcasts, and we appreciate you taking the time. Part of the show's tradition has always been to kind of get a state of D3 update on things, see where things stand with, with the division. Our show happens a time out about a week or two sometimes, uh, give or take this year a little bit longer. After the NCAA convention, where Division Three certainly tackles a lot of issues, and since a lot of the big changes to the NCAA have taken place, Division Three has been taking uh, a look at themselves and tackling a lot of big things as well. Uh, last year when we had her on, she was the interim head of Division Three as the vice president. She has at least gotten a, a, the interim tag removed from that. And I don't know if that comes with a pay raise or not, but joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. I keep saying that. It's the Huddle Hoopsville Hotline. Huddle Hoopsville Hotline. Huddle Hoopsville Hotline. It's Louise McCleary, then now full vice president of Division Three. Louise, thanks for taking the time, as always, for joining us. Really appreciate it. Um, how are you? Uh, Dave, I'm doing well. It is always a pleasure to be with you. I'm always impressed that you run this show for many, many hours, and uh, it's great to be with you. Well, yeah, many, many hours is right. Uh, Insanity, I think, is the word you were trying to avoid there. Uh, I know that's the word my family has used on many occasions. Um, First and foremost, general state of Division Three always feels good. I know there's a lot behind the scenes. A lot of this started with Dan Dutcher when D3 was facing some real challenges. Um, I vividly remember a, a convention, I think it was in D.C., where Mark Emmert got up with the three presidents chairs of, of each division and division one talked about all their big changes and how the power five and all these things that they were going to adjust and 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 make work and they were proud of their work okay great division two then says hey we've got a surplus we're expanding our championships things are wonderful in division two and you can start hearing murmurs in the crowd like uh-huh because half the crowd was division three and then division three chair gets up and goes well we don't have a surplus we're, we're, we're dealing with a deficit we're struggling to keep our championships the way we want them. We're trying to contract. And you could hear the crowd go, yeah. It's amazing the difference between Division Three and, Div- and the regular divisions. And that conversation in Atlanta in 2013 actually spurred the conversation of, let's talk about Division Three. Where do we stand and how things are going? In general, how's Division Three these days? So I'm going to answer that from two perspectives. Sure. I think from a governance perspective, we are doing well. Uh, We have individuals that are committed to serving on our committees and councils. They are listening to the membership. They are tackling really big issues that the membership has asked for change that came out of a survey that we sent to everybody last year, had over 80 percent respond to it. And it's really helped shape policies and initiatives. You mentioned budget. This year, we added $3 million to our championship budget to increase that experience for student athletes to assist institutions with payment. So we have a day of rest now. Most team sports have a day of rest. That's important between the semifinals and the championship. We increased the per diem, which doesn't sound that exciting, but with inflation that continues to go up, it was very important for us to be able to do that. We also, at the request of our membership, made sure that in the first round of an NCAA championship, conference opponents aren't facing each other. And then the other thing that I think is very important for our schools, especially those that are flying to championships, we're now paying for the local ground transportation. So those are all 
positive steps in the right direction to continue to enhance our championship experience. We're going to continue to look at that. We start a new budget cycle in FY25. It's the start also of the new CBS Turner Broadcast Agreement. We will get a significant revenue increase that year. So our championships committee is working hard right now to say, what should we do? What are the championship enhancement priorities from the division? You can imagine day with 438 schools. It, it probably varies from school to school, but that will be the work of the championships committee to engage the membership, to engage our sport committees, the commissioners to say, what's the best route for us to go starting in FY25? Yeah. So that's well, in the governance structure. Oh, sure. go ahead. No, 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 go ahead, because I don't want to yeah. derail. You're a good point. Yeah, and the only thing I was going to say, though, I think it's, we know at the national office how hard it is on campus right now. Um, we've heard from athletic directors uh, re recruiting and retaining coaches and administrator and staff, and especially athletic trainers, sports information directors, athletic communication directors, is very, very difficult right now. We also know that um, inflation has hit campuses so that there's smaller budgets. And yet there's probably an expectation to say, just as usual, we use athletics for enrollment drivers. So while we're solid, I think at this moment in time, considering, you know, three years ago, we had a pandemic that took 80% of our revenue. There's also an understanding of how difficult it is right now on campus as our athletic directors and our coaches are managing their athletic departments and, and, and they're trying to provide a quality experience for their student athletes at the campus level. Yeah, no, totally get it. And it's, it's that juxtaposition. The division as a whole is good and things are seemingly good, but on an individual basis, the micro side of that, it's certainly a little bit more challenging. And with enrollment cliffs coming and other things, uh, it's amazing we got through COVID, to be honest, the pandemic, without more closures, and there will probably be more coming, which will obviously affect things as well. Um, per the surplus, I want to jump there, if you don't mind starting there. Um, I know there's a lot of ideas of trying to spend because I also wanted to, to decrease a little bit of the of the reserve pot for varying reasons that I, as a management major, I'm still not smart enough to fully understand. <laughs> Um, and so there's there's increases to try and, and improve championships and other things. I'm curious, has there been an idea, because it would increase the vision and the experience of the championships to some degree as well, to try and raise awareness of the division to the point of showcasing games? Like, I'm literally on the infancy of this, talking with some people. It got into my head. I want to look into it myself, but... You know, is there a way of going around Division Three and saying, hey, here's here's the best soccer game this week. Here's the best basketball game this week. And giving it a showcase and spending a little bit of money from a national perspective to try and showcase Division Three off in that perspective so when the championships do show up, there's a little bit of kind of momentum already. Does that, does that make any sense of a question? David, absolutely makes sense. And so Division Two does something like that right now. Yeah. So it's not a foreign concept. Um, at the end of the day, again, what our championships committee will say is, does the membership want us to spend money there showcasing yep. versus other priorities, um, having more student athletes be able to travel to championships, greater per diem, having greater access to championships. So, 
So again, we have this window and, and it's a good time to really evaluate what makes sense. What makes sense for our membership? And at the end of the day, I don't think we're gonna have 90% say that's it. But if we can definitely build some consensus, sure, we're in a position to start to implement those, as I mentioned, in the 24-25 academic year. Uh, consensus, we'll talk about a little bit, because there were, surprisingly, some very good consensus on some of the votes at the convention, which was nice to see, uh, though some people abstain or uh, voted against some items. We'll, we'll, get, we'll get into that. Um, per that surplus, and we're always discussing about you know, some people, maybe a little more naive or don't understand the full process, Division three is constantly asked how it wants to spend its money, right, Luis? And this is a constant conversation. And so, what, three quarters of the budget goes to championships. We know that basketball, football, baseball, maybe soccer are the biggest cash hogs, for lack of a better description. They spend the most money to, to do the pro- size of the tournaments have a lot to do with that. Division three still is okay with that, right? They, they, they don't mind that 75% of the budget goes that way and not more because there's important things in that 25% they don't want to lose. Is that a, a correct way of saying it? That is a fair statement. And Dave, as I mentioned, we added the $3 million. So we actually right. spend now this year about 80% on championships. Okay. Again, the membership wanted that. Strategic planning and finance, I think, wisely said, you know what, versus putting an actual percentage Let's do everything we need to do to meet the needs of the membership, be it in championships or in enrichment fund areas. Got it. This year, it happened to shake out that 80% are on championships, 20% are on the enrichment fund. I don't see that changing necessarily between now and the next couple of years, but that's something that, again, depending on the feedback from the membership, then that filters through strategic planning and finance filters through the championships committee, different committees as it bubbles up to the councils for final approval. And we should talk so to, to answer your question. Yes, yeah. the membership, I think, is very pleased with us um, putting a bit more money towards our championships, but at the same time, protecting the enrichment fund. And for those who are listening who may say, what's that? You know, that's our conference grant money. Very, very important. Over 90% of our institutions tap into that money on an annual basis. It's our diversity grants, our ethnic minority and women's internship, our strategic alliance matching grant. And then it's all the other programs that we run for different constituent groups. Think senior woman administrators, think new ADs, new commissioners. Um, and so those are evaluated every year. They're evaluated not only by the participants, but by strategic planning and finance and the councils to say, is this still where we should be spending our money? Um, and to the point, for the first time uh, in a while, we're going to do an audit of all those programs, a review, an outside review to say, are they still matching the strategic priorities of the division? And sure. make sure that they're still doing what we thought they were supposed to do. So. Sure. Um, that's all exciting stuff for us. No, and that makes total sense. Um, I, I get the enrichment stuff. I, I totally support that as well. And and I also understand that you want to audit those things, make sure things are going the way you want to. Uh, let's talk about the convention real quick. A couple of key things that were voted on, the one that was overwhelmingly supported and obviously went through a little bit of a rigmarole to, to determine which version was getting accepted was 114 days for coaches in terms of a season. It's amazing that while the pandemic was – horrific and 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 we're obviously still technically in it but that experience that everybody went through was an eye-opener in terms of how we could do this better in terms of seasons what i found interesting louis though was that 
that and one other bill had two completely different approaches. One was a much a structured, hey, here's 114 days, or oh, we're going to still put some guard guardrails on things and some guidelines in place. The other one was, ah, free-for-all. <laughs> I, I don't, having been around the, the NCA quite a bit, I'm a little surprised that we had two juxtapositions on the same topic. And again, on two different bills, we had this. Where, where, where did the free-for-all idea come from? And, and how is the 114 going to really help everybody in the long run? Yeah. So at the end of the day, I think there, so not only with our plain season proposals, we had one from the membership, one from the governance structure. We had one similar also for our council compositions. That's it. Yeah. While it can be confusing for the membership, I will give every uh, kudos and thanks to our academic and membership affairs staff who did a great job of educating. Say, here are the differences. Make sure you understand that as you go in before you vote. I think that's a strength. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay for the membership to say, okay, governance structure. And that's really committees made up of the membership. But to right. say, all right, you came up with this idea, but we think that this might be a better idea. And at the end of the day, what I heard going into convention with the playing seasons is we just want one of them to pass. We want to make sure right. that we move away from a week's model to a day's model. And as you mentioned, what institutions have said is they want that additional flexibility. Five years ago, was it needed? Maybe not. But today's student athlete, today's coaches are like, we want to be able to have that flexibility. With any significant change, I think, uh, to use your words, the free-for-all <laughs> may have gone too far for folks. But that doesn't mean in the coming years that this playing seasons model doesn't get adjusted oh, as fair. we start to live with it. Yeah, right? no, absolutely. And, and yeah. that's... That's how most of our proposals work. Okay, it's adopted. Then the membership, you know, lives with it for a couple of years and then says, okay, do we need to tweak here or there? But I think it's a first great step. Our membership really yeah. wanted it. And, and that's, again, <clears throat> what the governance structure should be doing. It, you, you listen to the membership, you put forward a proposal, be it from the governance yeah. structure or the membership, and then we get to debate it and vote on it. And then uh, make it into legislation come this August, which is exciting. Forgive me, by the way, I've been distracted because the puppy has knocked over a light. I just want to make sure the light is okay. <laughs> and I don't know if he's still in the room or someone snuck him out of the room while I wasn't paying attention. So the family is home now. Um, he's been quiet and great ever since. So uh, I got to give a shout out to Tucker. Um, per what you're talking about there and, and, and the the evolution of things. We also talked about the change to the exec to the committees, yep. and I and I found it kind of like, oh yeah, that makes sense to make sure all the full committee or conferences have a say, a representation, for lack of a better description, on both on either the management or president's council. Obviously, you don't want forty-five member councils, but it makes sense though they get a little larger that each conference at least has a say in one of those two because they're they're both the, the the top committees ultimately that make decisions for the end for the division was that a no-brainer or was that one that took a little massaging you know dave i think at the end of the day it, it's a no-brainer i've been at the national office now next month will be or actually this month is 11 years what our council members have always done, our committees as well as when they come into that, yes, they are representing a conference, but more importantly, they're representing a region 
and they're working together to find national solutions to whatever's in front. <coughs> Excuse me. I expect that to continue to happen. Sorry. <clears throat> no, you're fine. You're fine. Yeah. Um, so I think it's, again, coming out of the pandemic, there really was this feel that every conference needed to be represented. And so both proposals had that. Um, there were slight differences in how those individuals would be chosen. And at the end of the day, the membership voted. It's a proposal that we're excited to put into play in August of 2024. And then every conference will be on one of the two. And, and so what we're hopeful for, I will still expect those council members to work together to find national solutions. But we believe the communication back to the conferences to say, here's what the conversation is will be even higher and more enhanced and more transparent for some. So those are all good things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, interesting enough, what was there was one bill in particular that I thought was going to be a slam dunk and got four people against it. Um, I'm not remembering. Uh, you're thinking the uh, institutional self-study guide and the conference yeah, self-study which guide. I think everybody wanted to get rid of. I was surprised there were four like, oh, no, we don't mind doing the paperwork every five years. Yeah. Well, at the end of the day, um, this is what representative governance is all about. You get yes. to vote however you would like. So um, that's <laughs> yes, true. I think it's the first time I actually heard cheering after a proposal. So <laughs> uh, it's, it was exciting sure. and it was a great way to end our convention. I am sure. Uh, the other one that I found really interesting was that the SAC, who I've always spoke, mm -hmm. pointed out, has always had a, a comment on every single legislative piece, they come together as a national SAC. Someone gets up and speaks. Uh, someone from every council basically does. But the SAC gets a say. And, and for the vast majority of votes, it usually goes the way the SAC feels it should go. And there's always ones that they vote against or for mm -hmm. and that go against or they're against and they go for. But it never dawned on me they didn't have a vote. Because um, I know they have a vote, Division One and Division Two, modeled after Division Three. I know they have a vote on management. I know they have a vote on other committees, and they have a say. It didn't dawn on me they get up and speak, but then they don't vote. And again, no brainer. Seemed like that one should get passed, and it did get passed. Nice to see that SAC continues in Division Three. The student athletes have a significant say about how this division operates. Absolutely, and it, you know. I think this was something that SAC had been discussing for several years, but with the adoption of the new constitution, the fact that we now have two SAC members on president's council, it became even more obvious. They're completely engaged in the legislative process. They are constantly going back to their conferences and their partner conferences to say, what, what is the student athlete perspective on this particular legislative proposal that the next logical step was to allow them to have a vote as well? No, it, it totally, just again, I'm reading legislation going, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, no, it should have had that already. Um, what came out of the convention that is steering down the road now? Because what I think is also interesting for folks is the convention is also a time of when the pot gets stirred a little bit and things start getting mixed up and formulated for committees to tackle, look into, et cetera, that, as you said, builds towards August when the legislation is kind of set in place. Uh, ahead of another convention in January. So what is Division Three toying with? What is Division Three talking about? What are some ideas that we may see kind of come to the table for uh, the next convention? Yeah, I would say probably one of the number one things is we're doing a review of our philosophy statement. And we are doing that because at last year's convention, 
The membership said, is our philosophy statement still in the right place? Is it still reflective of our student athletes today? Can it carry us through the next 30, 40, 50 years? Fair. And the answer was, don't know. Uh, let's do a review. And so sure. President's Council charged our strategic planning and finance, who created a working group. They have been meeting since the fall. Uh, they sent out a survey to our membership to say, what do you think of our philosophy statement? And all it, for the most part, most in the membership said, yeah, it, it's about right. It, it probably there's some things in there that could be eliminated. Uh, it's become a bit probably too restrictive. But again, I'll remind everybody who's listening, our philosophy statement really is primarily a guide for our committees and councils. As they're thinking about new policies or introducing legislation, they're always looking to that philosophy statement to say, okay, what does it say is the philosophy of the division? Let's make sure we're introducing change that aligns with it. There were three areas though that we had a chance to say to the membership, give us some feedback at the issues form. They did, they gave really good feedback. Well, we did some straw polling Yes, that's sort of the public facing, but we had, I don't know, we had about 100 roundtables, 80 returned uh, feedback to us. That information will be incredibly valuable to the working group. So the working group will look at it. They'll continue to make recommendations of how to change the philosophy. They'll seek more membership feedback. And we believe that by this summer, they'll put forward a legislative proposal to the councils to support to vote on at the 2024 convention. Again, think your philosophy statement, if, if that's what all committees and councils are basing, what changes, it's critical. It's critical to how we move forward as a division. And so some may go, oh, well, is that really that important? For our governance structure, I think it's one of the most important things that we're gonna be doing because it will set the direction for the division, yeah. hopefully not for the next two years, but for the next 20 or 30 years, right? If yeah. we do it right, it's going to carry over some time. Along when, with that, um, yeah. our councils met during convention. I think some things that they are looking to do that the membership will see. One, they approved, our president's council approved, a financial and risk management working group to work alongside our strategic planning and finance and to advise the president's council to really look at what threats and risk and opportunities are out there that may impact our division? Athletics is in a turbulent time right now. Um, as we've talked about, uh, finances, while it's solid right now at Division Three, it would be a mistake for us not to always keep an eye to the future to say, let's look and make sure that if there are, is a risk, we know how to address it. The other thing that Management Council approved is around our playing rules. With the new constitution that was adopted a year ago, it says that playing rules can be federated. We've never had that. We actually have legislation that says you can't do that. Right. While our membership survey a year ago said, eh, we actually think all three divisions should have the same rules. What this provides is opportunities to make a change if the division doesn't think it applies to them. So those are some things that Management Council will be working on. We've created an advisory group of some from our councils, but also some from our membership to say, how should you help advise staff as we're looking to navigate to create a new process in case the division wants a federated rule? 
Um, and, and so that's something else that will come before the division. And then the last thing that I think, uh, last two things, one that's division three specific is we will, as I've talked about, we're marching towards a new budget cycle. Right. And so it's really, it's budget planning and figuring out what those priorities are for championships. We've talked a little bit about that, but also for the enrichment fund. And then the last area, and if anyone attended convention, they had a chance to start to hear about this. Our board of governors has created a subcommittee around congressional engagement. And mm. at the end of the day, it's a new reality for us that there are different state laws, think name, image, and likeness. Also think there are new state laws that are coming out around revenue sharing. Yep. There are court cases that believe that student athletes should be paid to play. So with that, our board of governors has said, we need to have some relief and protection so that we can continue to give student athletes a quality experience. Division one has already taken a lot of steps in that space, but I think, again, as we look forward, we're saying we should just assume that's not gonna come to division two or division three. So what steps do we need to do to make sure we educate our membership about what's in front of us and then find steps to um, figure out how do we engage Congress and is there anything we need to do as a division to make sure that if there's an opportunity to get those protections, we're best positioned to get them. No, it makes sense. And, and it proves that there's a lot going on that people don't realize, especially at a convention. Uh, I always kind of snicker sometimes. I always think the convention should be a day or two longer and, and, and not focus on getting out of Dodge and right after the vote on Saturday. But um, there still shows a lot gets done uh, in that time frame. When looking at the division quickly, uh, 438 schools, as you pointed out, we know, at least in our reporting, we're going to lose three. Saul Ross has confirmed that now officially, yep. assuming Division Two accepts. Uh, Utica and Nichols would be the other two. Do we have any more coming in? We have some in the pipeline, obviously, that are, that are in the process. I assume that's part of that 438. Any more coming? How's how? What's the interest in in arriving in Division Three right now? Yeah, and I would say, Dave. So for this year in particular, we have a deadline of January fifteenth. If anyone wants to apply for our provisional or our exploratory process, um, we have one school that's interested in uh, starting the exploratory, which would be September one. So really, for a year, they're not making any commitment. They're truly exploring the division. And then we have one other institution that is looking to actually start the provisional process this September. Our membership committee is the one that oversees those applications and they will make a decision on that in the coming months. Um, but the reality is I think many still think that division three is growing like crazy. When I first started at the NCAA, just over a decade ago, we had 450 institutions. So we've actually, while we always have some interest, and I would say it ranges from two to four institutions a year, as you mentioned, we lose some. We lose some because they reclassify to Division II, or they're no longer able to support athletics, or they're no longer to be a viable institution. Um, I think the trend will probably continue like that. While we may get some interest, we're probably going to lose some institutions. Yeah. So I don't see us growing back up to 450. I also am not sure we're going to drop all the way down to 275. Um, <laughs> no. But I do believe that we'll probably, over the next five years, um, lose more institutions than we're going to gain. 
Yeah, I think the only caveat might be just how the NAIA or some others react to the changing landscape. Uh, I think the conference edition, which got voted in, that you must have a conference partner, may or may not play a role in that, but it's something that obviously needs a place in Division Three. No, but I agree with you. I think with with dropping enrollments, uh, the inflation causing some pressure on schools, and we should point out, I mean, I the three I mentioned are just Division Two. Casanova is closing and others. I didn't even bring yep. those up that have already announced. There may be more announcements coming. Um, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna deal with some shrinkage here uh, before we before we ever maybe see expansion yet again. Uh, Luis, always great to chat with you. Always great to get an insight. I, there's a hundred questions that could always be asked, uh, and we could always go into the weeds if we really needed to. But uh, I think we've covered a lot here today, and I appreciate the time and the insight. As um, I guess I'd leave it at this. Any final thoughts and or things that we should know about bef- before we let you go? Yeah, well, Dave, I know you've talked about this, I I believe, on this uh, show that we are really excited about the joint championship for women's basketball in Dallas. Uh, We expect that we're going to have a men's joint championship also within the next couple of years. And so that's something that is a unique experience um, that we're really excited about to be able to go to Dallas uh, and provide that opportunity for those two final teams. So um, I don't know if you're traveling out there. Um, but if you are, let me know because I'd love to see you in person. Yeah, no, I'd love to. It's opening weekend for Major League Baseball, so I might get accidentally stuck having to do a lot of work with my other job, though it is it is on my – I went to the Indianapolis one uh, and yep. on the women's side, and I went to the 2013 one for the men. Unfortunately, 2020, I had plans. <laughs> I still have yep. a, a ticket from Southwest I'm allowed to use. Um, great experiences especially on the women's side where everybody's in the same building. It is just an outstanding experience, and I'm looking forward to that. If there was a way to do it in some other sports, I'd certainly encourage it. I'm not saying we should. I know those are challenging, not necessarily the right fits, Um, but outstanding to see and and looking forward to seeing how it all plays out. If I'm there, I will definitely let you know. Uh, Thank you for your time. Uh, thank you for uh, the communication. Look forward to chatting with you down the road. I'm sure I'll come up with ideas that I want to bounce by. And uh, uh, if anyone's looking for an outside person to join any of these committees, you know, just just give me a call. Be happy to jump in. <laughs> All right. Well, it's always a pleasure <laughs> to talk to you, and uh, good luck with the show. Thank you. Appreciate it. Take care of yourself. All right. Bye-bye. Luis McCleary joining us from uh, Indianapolis, of course, the vice president for Division Three uh, at the NCAA. Uh, and for everyone who wonders, Luis makes none of the overall decisions. She just runs what everybody tells her to do, uh, not literally. Uh, the co- division decides how what road it wants to head down, and Luis makes sure everyone stays within the lines. We'll take a break. When we come back, we will uh, – where are we going? I have totally forgotten. Oh, we jump back into the NESCAC, talk to the Bantams of Trinity, who will be hosting the – championship weekend or the final four in women's basketball you're listening to hoops presented by d3hoops.com from the wbca and abc studios more after this